Hey speedrun gang, I'm very excited to actually deliver an episode of After the Split again. If you're new here, welcome and I'd love to hear what you think. If you're an old head, then I'm sorry. Life has been a bit of a wild ride and I lost a lot of my motivation along the way. This episode I feel like was so good and features the Resident Evil Rising star, Captain Ezekiel. I recorded this episode back in November of 2022, and since this is releasing in May 2023, a lot has happened. Zeke did pick up Resident Evil 4 Remake and is grinding New Game Professional. He even placed well enough to get into the Waifu Runs Invitational, which had a prize pot of about $16,000. He's certainly on track for Twitch Partner and may already have it if you're listening to this later. So please, give him some love. Links in the description on YouTube. This week we'll have a couple clips and things sprinkled in for visuals, but as always, Spotify and other audio sources are just as good. With that in mind, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Almost Forgotten Speedrun Interview Podcast after the split. For those that don't already know, this is the deep dive interview show going into the lives of speedrunners. You can find this on any place you listen to your other podcasts or on YouTube if you like a nice face to go along with it. Today, I'm honored to have Captain Ezekiel, who you've likely seen if you know anything about HD Resident Evil speedrunning. And it's a pleasure to have you. Is it cool if I call you Zeke? Yeah, Zeke is totally fine. And thank you for having me, Gaffney. Oh, yeah, it, it truly is an honor. I mean, especially with everything going on recently, I've I've personally been watching the stream for a while and I guess more so seeing you on Twitter even more. I'm like, oh, this guy, <laughs> the discourse and stuff is fun. I get my popcorn. <laughs> but yeah, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, had a, a pretty good day so far. I mean, knock on wood, it stays good, but <laughs> it's been pretty good. Yeah, I, I hope you're doing well as well. Appreciate it. And just so I don't butcher it, and people typically, I want to say what you are, who you are. How would you describe who you are to the people that might not know you? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a guy with just significantly too much time on his hands and not nearly enough at the same time. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a horror speedrunner. Uh, primarily known for running Resident Evil 7, um, as well as a general horror content creator uh, and, you know, also just an IT professional. <laughs> it's kind of like who I am. Oh, yeah? I uh, I didn't actually know. What's uh, What do you do as like an IT professional? Uh, I I work in healthcare IT as an IT manager Ooh. for like, clinics and stuff like that. Yeah, that's my day job. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I come home and then I play the same Resident Evil game for four years. <laughs> Dang, it's already been four years. That that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even think yeah, that. Well, I guess when I think about when I first played it casually, this is a lifetime ago. It feels like. <laughs> now, a question I like to start with because I think everybody typically either has a really dumb story or somewhat interesting. You might not have guessed it. How did you decide on the screen name, Captain Ezekiel? Oh, you know, I've actually gone through a lot of different like screen names through, while growing up and playing in games. Like I went from like. Um, you know, which like back in the days of WoW, like a lot of people would choose like some sort of off brand niche part of like a class they played and they put LOL after it or something happened all the time back in like the early Wrath of the Lich King days. So which LOL was like my first name, which I actually carried on to Twitch at the very beginning until I changed it uh, because my friend and I were hanging out one day. We were talking about pirates. We, we like were like one day we just got super obsessed with the idea of pirates and like what it would be like to be a pirate and like we plugged our names into some janky pirate generator and he got a uh, rough sailing sid and i got captain ezekiel bluebeard and oh. we just kind of rolled with it and i like it ended up sticking somehow like i changed all my names a year later and kept it forever it's been like 10 years <laughs> and uh you i guess that would make sense i've seen the profile picture it's like a it is like a blue bearded 
yeah, I guess pirate, that was, right? Yeah, that was like one of my uh, other friends who was an artist who did a few of my emotes. He like took his take on what it would look like, and it's it's a nice little like rough draft of like what it would be. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like it. it has a little bit of like a um like a charm to it that I've liked. Now you've just kind of I wanted to talk about the IT stuff more because I'm just I'm interested in that field especially. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you know good bucks there, but you've kind of got what almost seems like the best of both worlds going on. Your stream seems to be doing fairly well. Uh, what does a day in the life look like for you right now? If you're working full time, somehow still pushing out enough practice runs, everything. It's a lot. It's actually really hard. And, um, I've had to like take a step back and do a real like work life balance recently. Um, uh, like a few months ago, really set a schedule and everything, but an average day is, you know, um, I, I wake up and I go to work and I do my, my duties at work for eight hours, uh, which is just a lot of the IT stuff, making sure equipment works, being like a, a manager of servers and people and departments. And and after doing all that, you know, I'll get home. And if it's a day I'm streaming, uh, I will uh, set up, you know, I usually like to sit down for an hour before I do any any streams and practice what it is I'm going to be streaming. Any speedrun, I've, I've always done that. And it's kind of a mantra I live by. It's I don't want to do my practice on stream. Because people are there to essentially watch me do runs, you know. And I know people who do practice on stream, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's not something I really like to do. Um, so I typically push it, and I'll like I'll start like I'll get home, I'll eat really fast or something, and then I'll sit down, I'll do an hour of practice, making sure like I focus on like the things I want to do, and I'll start runs, and, and I'll start the stream, and try for three to four hours, and uh, rinse repeat the next day. <laughs> Dang, yeah. Maybe this is why I don't have any records because <laughs> I don't know if I have the just the, the real practice and going into it. it seems like you have a, a good schedule and sticking to it's got to be difficult yeah it's definitely hard um especially when you start to like factor in like health and like fitness stuff and a changing of like habits and it, it becomes a lot and you got to find like the right balance i'm still kind of finding the right balance but i have a an okay handle on it now and i i, I like the motion that i'm in so i trying to trying to stick with it love to hear it now do you ever see yourself potentially just committing to streaming full-time or is that not something that interests you um I, I wouldn't say it's something that doesn't interest me obviously it's 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 one of those things that like if it were to present itself i would i would try to capitalize on the opportunity um i would need to see like significant like financial backing oh for, for sure like yeah that, yeah whereas um you know my current living and life situation is you know i live alone i have a house i have i have my own responsibilities and duties so i try not to like jeopardize financial stability mm-hmm. um if if it ended up taking off in a way that would present that then yeah i would i would absolutely love the idea but you know right now it's more of like a it's a nice hobby that i like to keep as a hobby which i mean is a cool hobby and i i found when i was working full-time as well i maybe it's because you don't put as much pressure on it that you're able to enjoy it as much i think there's a lot that goes into the mentality behind this is what i have to do versus it's something that i want to do yeah, and it makes it easier if like I want to take a day off or if I just don't want to stream. Maybe I was tired that day or something. I don't feel like a financial burden for doing something yeah, like yeah. that. Like you don't get PTO as a streamer, right? Ooh. So you kind of kind of got to balance it. Man, I I see that you got sponsored recently, right? Or partnered with a with Mazer? Yeah, May, uh, I recently did uh, get a partnership with Mazer, uh, uh, a sponsorship with them, uh, and a couple other smaller uh, partnerships for uh, brand deals, like through Huel and through uh, Rogue Energy. 
Uh, Mazer was actually one, uh, the first like team that's actually reached out to me because of a mutual contact, a good friend of mine named Hank, who writes for them and writes for Illusion. Um, and when I started to grow over the like the last six months, when my growth started to become a bit more significant, um, he gave me my name to them and a conversation started basically. And they were like, yeah, we want to, if you vote, you know, you want to represent our brand, we'll, we'll absolutely sign you. And I was like, I have nothing really to lose. Yeah, so right. I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, no matter how small or big, right. When a, when a company or any sort of brand like chooses you to like represent them, it's like, it's like a bit of a feeling of like endearment that like, yeah, like they know that I have like mm-hmm. some sort of value in this niche market. So like, absolutely. I'm down. If nothing more than ego alone, you know, if you guys, your DM, <laughs> my DMs are open. <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> but yeah, I think that's really cool, especially for the scene in general, because I've seen it a few times now. There, there's been some smaller, like, speedrunning teams that try to actually get their name and some brand rec- recognition. And the way I see it, if it can work for esports, why not for, you know, speedrunning as a whole? Yeah, and, I, and I've been of the opinion that, like, speedrunning is an esport. It's mm-hmm. It's... It's an esport where you compete against yourself, and, and when you're not competing against yourself, you're competing against the guy right above you, right? Like you're, it, it's it's something that um, we start to see more uh, engagement from uh, sponsors and from teams now, like in in recent years, like CLG when they picked up like um, Simply and with uh, not Simply, sorry, with uh, Cheese and Simply being picked oh, up, yeah, I believe, by Cloud right. Nine. Or uh, simply himself also has a sponsor team, um, and it's like these speedrunners, which kind of morph into a hybrid of a, of a full-time content creator and a speedrunner because they always have their roots, um, and that, that that blend works really well, uh, in my opinion. So I, I'd like to see more of it going forward. But yeah, I would definitely consider speedrunning to be an esport, and now it's like starting to get more mainstream, especially with with the support of like GDQ. Oh, for sure, I. I think it'd be kind of neat to see, and we're seeing it a little bit more, at least since I started, I'm sure even more so for yourself, but some like competitive things, kind of like GSA doing the uh, break the records and stuff like that. And I'm hoping that there's a space for like a competitive scene too, which you, you pretty much know how things are going to go based on seating, which, cause people are just very consistent once you get to a certain level. But I guess would, do you think there could be room for competition in speedrunning? Absolutely. It's it's hard. It, it varies on the game for sure. And you can tell with with um with what's being done with like GSA and uh break the record and everything is they stick to a certain genre of games, um, rightfully so. Mario. Yeah, Mario, Mario Minecraft. Mario. Yeah. So you look at these games and you have to weigh like um as a spectator, right? So say you're the one putting on the event, like what's gonna make the spectator wanna watch? They wanna know that someone who's not meant to win can win. Um, so when you look at other genres of games, like take Resident Evil, for example, the games are very consistent. We've boiled these games down to a science and there's less RNG in the newer versions of the games. So they're really, really optimized. So when someone, um, is racing someone, you know, the person who has the faster time is very likely to win unless they just make a mistake. Um, whereas in a game like Minecraft, right, you would have a race and someone could have bad RNG. They could have bad, uh, gold RNG with the, with the piglins. And suddenly they're losing, and they're meant to win, and that's that's really interesting. I guess that to makes it spicy, yeah. A little yeah, interesting. so they'll want to watch that. I say absolutely. I think I think they should branch into more stuff. I think horror games are also a great example of something that should be branched into. Just because someone can win doesn't mean they will, right? So like more like circuit events, like maybe splashing different types of games, different genres, not just horror, of course. But like I'd love to see more things that get represented in those events, and 
yeah, I think I think they're good, and I think they they have longevity for sure. Now, I know I am, and I I got a hint a little bit that you a bit of an old melee head. Do you find yourself to be competitive at all? Absolutely, like in speed running or in general. <laughs> in absolutely. general, like but just, in general, yeah, there's a link for sure. Typically, I find myself in competitive, competitive in in, in uh, something I'm slightly passionate about. If I have any sort of level of involvement that I feel like goes beyond just playing it for fun, then yeah, I'm gonna get competitive in it, right? Like melee was was something I played um, and got competitive in. Um, Who do you uh, mean by the way? I was a Jigglypuff main. A Jiggly? Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I played Puff. Uh, there's a lot of history behind that. I have. There's a slight notoriety to me in the melee scene only because of this um i do have a hungry box tattoo oh, on my arm oh snap can i see can i see can yeah yeah absolutely i can hold it closer to the camera but it is uh, actually an hbox tattoo oh. that i got when i was 22 i believe a lot of mixed reviews as you would probably expect <laughs> in the melee community and for the most part everyone juan is very cool about it i have had the pleasure of meeting and hanging out with him multiple times very nice guy, uh, but yeah, I played Puff. I was I was ranked in Minnesota for two or three seasons as sixth and fifth on their PR, um, and I loved Bailey. Bailey was a lot of fun. It kind of like sparked like my like trajectory into like playing competitively at a high level. Yeah, Bailey is an entirely different beast, and I like to say that Melee is a gateway drug into speedrunning because it really is a, like a crossover of like the communities, right? So I'm finding the like the Venn diagram to be a pretty near circle yeah, for a lot of it's things pretty yeah big. yeah you would see like a lot of people that like i see at gdq or people that i've like met through melee i now i'll like run into them at gdq and i'm like oh geez like you speed run too that's crazy so one one person a helix who is a super monkey ball runner um they've ran at gdq multiple times and uh they're amazing and i met them through melee at the very first tournament i went to five years ago so and i still see them to this hey. day yeah so it, it definitely has a lot of crossover I know this is dumb. I hear at live GDQs, I've yet to go to one, and maybe the next in-person I'll try and go to for sure. But I hear they have a lot of melee setups there. So I've almost made it like a life goal, because I'm very much a mid-level player. I'm, I'm going 2-2, two and 3-2 two, and two on a good day at a local. But <laughs> uh, I just want to take down like other speedrunners. I feel like they're probably the same, right? Like I think I could take a set off a day. I'll get one off Zim. Like... <laughs> You know, you would think that. I mean, SGDQ 2022 is actually my first IRL GDQ, which is funny. I live in Minneapolis five years Yeah, I would have assumed you SGDQ. went before. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, a lot of people would. I was submitting for years ever since I started running 7, but I never actually went. Um, but I did most recently go because um, now I know the horror community and I'm actually friends with a lot of people. And I went and the melee, they do a melee tournament there. They have a sign-up sheet that you go and sign up. I go and look at the sheet. And our, I, I recognize the the melee players because they're from they're, I've played them before for years, oh, nice. and I see our resident Doctor Mario on there, and I immediately decided not to sign up because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do. I love not the guy to again. Death. I'm like, I'm not doing this on my vacation right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I love the guy, and like the, the event looks fun. There's a lot of melee players, but yeah, you, you can. A lot of speedrunners probably played melee or play melee, and it's it's a funny crossover. Oh yeah, and I guess especially with Slippy and stuff, it's so easy just to mm -hmm. anyone get into it. Yeah, definitely. Now, this has been, I mean, just running and in general being part of the scene. It seems like it's been a big part of your life for quite a few years now. Do your, like, family and coworkers, do they know about your hobbies when you get out of, done with your day? Only yeah, only a select of my family members know. And by a select, I mean basically, like, two of them. Just my brother. Um, and my mother knows a little bit about what I do, but she's not really too involved because, obviously, she's the older generation. But um, uh, I've actually... 
like it's funny. I've been speedrunning seven for four years now. Um, and I've only been involved in the community since the beginning of COVID. I actually had very little involvement in the RE community, in the horror community. Speedrunning in general was very, very minimal because um, I, I was just a guy playing the game for two years. I just kind of popped in, asked questions, popped out. Um, and I didn't really start to like develop any sort of relationship with everyone until I actually got world record in the first the first category I ever got it in. Um, and I it, it started to branch out. I started to talk to people. People started to understand that, like, okay, I'm like a guy who actually runs the game. Um, and it really took off from there and it really didn't start until COVID, like a year into COVID that I really, really got deep into the community. Um, it was like right, right after COVID started that I met Catlink, um, and Niddle, uh, who, who, and Marforia I met years ago, but they all kind of came together. They're some of my best friends now. Like I love them Mm -hmm. to death. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really until recently that I really got deep into the communities and it just, it's like a wildfire. Once you like get in, you just start to talk and meet everyone that you wouldn't think you'd start talking to. Like me four years ago, I would never thought that I would be like, you know, talking and hanging out with like pessimism, Mike wave, these people who are like, you know, I would consider to be like, like monoliths of the community. Yeah. Yeah. I, and maxi lobes and all these people too and like they're they're just people that i talk to now and it's like kind of crazy <laughs> do you feel like you're kind of getting up there by the way like you know you kind of put people that are good runners on a pedestal right like oh that's catlink oh that's simply do you kind of feel like that that might be you now i i don't <laughs> i don't like to like get in my own head or like uh, like get into my own ego i i do think um i'll give myself credit that as like, a skillful runner i think i'm up there in terms of like accomplishment i feel like i've earned my spot as like someone who's who's put in the time and who is like a conquered a game and like felt like i've mastered it um i don't think notoriety wise i'm there and i don't think notoriety wise i'll be there anytime soon because it takes a lot of community building and a lot of like networking to like get yourself to those points um as like to remain good at what you do and also like be like popular to a degree right so um i don't think i'm like like pessimism i i feel like it's hard when it comes to re7 i feel like i have kind of that role but with the overarching re community i don't think i'm, I'm recognized as someone like that like pessy or maxi or or mike who, people who have like really established themselves as like you know s- stone cold pillars of the community i mean hopefully one day uh people look to me at like that but right now i'm not quite sure if i'm there yet i'll be honest okay well i think i mean you're definitely on the up and up i for sure <laughs> but very humble of you safe answer i like it yeah. now me if i ever get there you know this podcast picks up then i'll be letting everybody know like <laughs> yeah you know it's the best i might be the only uh, yeah. surviving speedrunner <laughs> podcast but it's the best all right <laughs> uh now the real question that i know everyone wants to know and the twitter haters need an answer that this cannot be subjective at all i want 100 the truth and this whatever you say is the absolute truth is resident evil 7 a good game Yes, Resident Evil Seven is a fantastic game, and it's it's like it's also like one of the best RE speedruns. I know I'm very notorious. Anytime I go on Twitter <laughs> and I talk about Seven, or if you come to my stream, I say how much I hate the game. It is actually an amazing game. Um, I've actually had this conversation with multiple people who took me seriously, um, and that uh, I wouldn't run it if I didn't like it. Right? Mm-hmm. There's just no human being on Earth who is going to do something repetitively as a hobby and if they don't like it they wouldn't do it right that's just how it works um i love seven uh, the game is great casually and as a speedrun it's actually one of the best re speedruns even though it has like cutscenes and it's a little bit slower um the fluidity of the game and how it connects and how it plays and the skill level and the intro uh the uh skill introduction is all very very good 
Um, that's why it's like so popular. That's why it is one of the most popular ones. It's kind of like Resident Evil 2 Remake has a very similar thing. Um, so yes, I do like the game. I think it's a good game. Um, and I would definitely advise anyone to try it out. That's, that sounds actually nice. And I got to imagine any of the, the hate and just like anything that comes from the knee-jerk reaction is out of passion for sure. It, it, I think I saw you put it bef- like when there was people like hating on Twitter, stuff like that. And it made me really re- have a lot of respect for you as a runner and stuff. Is like, I've played this game 10 times more than any of you ever have even thought about playing the game or some to that effect. And I'm like, yeah. that's true. Like clearly he likes the game. <laughs> And, yeah, I try and to runners go... in general, I think, but we always shit on our games. Oh yeah, that's like a natural thing, right? Every runner shits on their game, but I, I like. I think what I said was, um, if there's anyone in the world who has the right to complain about it, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. me, right? Like, if anyone's mm-hmm. going to complain, it's going to be probably the people who have the most hours in it, and I'm going to keep doing it because I keep lo- I love the game, but it's not going to stop me from like randomly having an outburst if something goes wrong that I'm not anticipating. That's just kind of how it works. For sure, for sure. I jumped around a little bit just since we brought up the topic of GDQ. I know you've done quite a few of the different like hot fixes and stuff like that, right? I've done so, a couple. Yeah, a couple hot fixes and one main event. I, I guess what's that, that experience been like for you? It's fun. G- doing GDQ, it's incredibly nerve-wracking every time. You, That's you what I was going to ask, like if it's any different, especially online versus in person. Well, it, so I've, I've, I've never been able to do it in person because the one GDQ I did was online. Um, and I which sucks, but it is what it is. Um, it's always nerve-wracking, because you're always going to like go check the GDQ stream. Like, how many people are watching? 3,000, mm-hmm. 4,000, 5,000? And it's like, okay, well, oh, God, that's like, you, like, you didn't you think, you get, you get in your own head, you're like, okay, I got to remember not to say this thing, got to be, you know, saying the right things, got to talk about the game, got to make sure my commentary can talk. And it, it's very nerve-wracking. It's good when you have good commentary with you. I'd say it's probably the best thing to have is like a good set of people that you will always take on for certain games. Like I have, I have two people I will always take on when I do RE7, which is Niddle and Catlink. There's two people I trust to do commentary because we have like a good dynamic and we know what to talk about. But it, it's really hard <laughs> if you're not set up and you're not comfortable with that because it is stressful um, to do it. It, it, it even. Like I, I, there's talks I might be doing a, a another hot fix sometime this month. Oh dang, already! And yeah, I'm, I might be doing a hot fix this month. Um, and uh, I'm I'm still thinking about it again. I'm like, damn, I gotta like get ready, gotta prepare, I gotta make sure I'm like I'm running the game in advance to like a much well in advance, so it's all second nature and have commentary ready. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot, but it's it's incredible amounts of fun. At this point, are you applying to things? Or are they reaching out to you for? Hey, would you like to do this? Everything that I've gotten into minus one and Dunathon was, uh, I mean, obviously the mainline GDQ you submit for, but I do get reached out to for uh, the other things, um, like the one later this month and uh, Aimbot, which I've done in the past. Nice. They've all been reaching out to me. And do you have any interest in going to an in-person, like uh, doing a run in person? Oh, absolutely. I submit every single time. I, w- I would love to run in person. Um, having gone to a GDQ and now knowing the flow of events and what it's like there, Running in person actually probably sucks a little bit because you kind of just want to, because <laughs> you kind of want to sit there like and you party with your friends and you mm-hmm. drink the whole week. Which I, I didn't have a run at SGDQ 2022, uh, so I was I was grateful to be able to just be blacked out for like five days, like and nice. I didn't have yeah. to worry about like having to do a run. Whereas like our, my good friend Mike Wave had a run, and our other friend Demonic had a run, and everyone at Catalyst who was the last run he had to do Elder Ring on the last day, and he like 
was like practicing all week and you like he couldn't spend as much time hanging out with people and that which which sucks but it's cool at the same time you got to be the guy to run elden ring and it's like it's a mixed feeling but i would love to do it absolutely i think i think nothing would beat the feeling of doing it in front of a crowd that big um and i think it'd be awesome i've done i've done in-person events before in front of certain crowds not large ones but you know sizable ones and it's i think gdq would be phenomenal to do in person how is i because i couldn't even imagine at least so far like there is a definitely a disconnect for me at least where i do a run on my computer like chats here whatever but having like a bunch of people behind you the background noise i feel like the pressure of even if it was just like say you get 20 viewers on twitch way different than 20 people in the room with you like oh absolutely yeah it's 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 a jarring experience i mean i've never done gdq but when i've done i've done midwest speed fest a handful of times out here in minnesota and um, the first one I did, there was like it was my first ever marathon. I was I was still basically nobody with RE7, so I was mm-hmm. just doing it. And I, I do something I didn't register that people behind me started clapping, and it freaked me out. I was like, "There's people behind me clapping right now because of something I just did in the game." And I'm like, "Holy shit, I can't handle this!" <laughs> I was like, started sweating. I was like, "This is this is crazy. I can't I can't put up with this. <laughs> it's very stressful." I mean, it was awesome. It's a good experience, but it is definitely a next. It's very different. So how did your like uh, your first Midwest Speed Fest run go? So bad. It was <laughs> the wor- and like the computer we were playing on, like the my install of the version of the game w- went wrong. I ended up getting the wrong version of the game installed and it crashed oh, no. halfway through. And it was it was rough. I mean the people there were great. The run was fun and like uh I mean I had to do solo commentary at the time because I didn't really know anyone and it was it was it was an experience, but it was definitely rough. And it, I'm glad I've learned, and I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it since then. But your first one's never good. Now, it would be criminal of me not to bring it up, and also just want to say huge congratulations. Recently, Zeke here has gone through a sweep of every main leaderboard category of Resident Evil Seven and gotten the world record in that. So, uh. Yeah, again, one, just huge congratulations because watching that's been a treat and also just pain, just huge pain. And <laughs> I've learned to hate Jack and everything. But I guess how does it feel? Thank you. It uh, it feels good. You know, it's like uh, it's like the culmination of four years of just grinding, right? And when I first started 7, all I played was New Game Plus Easy because that was the category. That's the only, that was like the big one. Everyone ran. It was competitive. It was optimized. I ran only that for two years um and at, and it was my only speed game but it was my first speed game and then after the two years i finally broke the record um i remember with the 127.44 and i i remember that time i was like i'm done i'm never touching this game again i'm over it and i switched over to play re2r and i was like wow i hate this i'm going back to seven <laughs> so it was like a lot of bouncing around where i kept going back to seven only doing new game plus easy because another runner switched over to pc and started cracking that record which is ross rossi at the time he started taking that record back and, you know, we kind of bounced it between us back and forth. We ended up bringing it really far down, uh, eventually to underneath 127, which we thought at the time was impossible. Um, so me and him really brought that time down. And then along the way, I, I branched into doing New Game Easy because it looked like fun. I remember learning, I think, learning about it from Catlink or Marforia. I watched them do it. And I was like, this looks like a lot of fun. Um, and another runner started doing it. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I started doing it. The skill translated pretty well, and I, I ended up getting record in that category, and I'm like, that's cool. That was the only other category I ever did, and that it stayed like that for another year, and it wasn't until the start of this year um, that I actually branched out and that I switched up and started doing Madhouse 
knife only. I mean, it probably been about the last like full 12 months that I switched up and started doing that stuff. And it was, it was, I never had full attention to sweeping. Um, I didn't feel like I had like the skill to do it in Madhouse because it was, it's a very different experience when you go from easy to Madhouse. Um, but I knew that all these categories were kind of like left to the wayside, a little unoptimized, um, except for one of them, uh, which was Madhouse New Game, which ended up a distortion too. Another good friend and popular streamer uh, worked on that. And that's kind of like what he's known for is, is, is that category. And so I went over, I, I, I don't know how I managed to do it, but I brought what I knew from easy and I just worked on it and brought it down and I was able to get record in that. And once I got that, I felt like I could, I could do all of them. I feel like at this point, I'm like, nothing can stop me from getting the rest of them except for one of the category which i refused to do for the longest time <laughs> which was knife only madhouse saving the best for that, last then yeah yeah that uh each it was it was it was weird i mean, not to be like uh, to show boast about it or like to like downplay what other runners have done um for almost every other category i was able to get world record within one or two days typically i thought that the category would like if i just brought over what i knew looked at what they did mixed and match i could do it um, and that was the case for almost every single one until I got to Madhouse New Game and until I got to Knife Only Madhouse. Those were the two that really stopped me. Uh, and it took forever. Like, Madhouse New Game took me, like, about a month to to get record and to bring it down. Like, I brought that time really far down now to a point where I don't think it'd be broken easily by anyone. I, br- I felt like I did that with every category. Um, and then, obviously... Knife Only Madhouse was the one that a lot of people uh, showed up for this last month, a month and a half to watch, because uh, it's just awful. That's <laughs> probably the worst speedrun I've ever done Getting in my life. You can watch people's pain. It's just enjoyable. It says something yeah, about us. Exactly. A lot of people like to watch it. Uh, it's just a slow category. You know, a lot of clicking, you know, 10-minute boss fights. It, it's it's definitely nightmarish, but I'm glad to have it done, and, you know, I'll, I'll try my best to hold it for as long as I can to you know, because I am now the first one to ever do that, uh, have all 10. So I'm going to try my best to hold on to it for as long as I can. And yeah, you guys heard the right 10 different categories. Now, for people that may not be familiar, just how different are the different categories? Like since Resident Evil 7, I think could be thought of as a fairly linear game. Are the categories that much different? Some of them are. Uh, I would say that there's a noticeable difference between New Game Plus and New Game in any of the categories. Um, I would say the uh, New Game Plus Easy and New Game Plus Madhouse are kind of similar. Um, they're handled very like similarly in terms of boss strats. Very slight deviation in certain things because you get the grenade launcher early in Madhouse, so things are routed a little bit differently. Those two are very similar. Uh, I would say New Game Easy and New Game Madhouse are two very different categories. New Game Madhouse has an incredibly high skill ceiling uh, in terms of like you have to switch guns really fast. You have to be good at crafting. You have to know the like the answers to like the Madhouse shenanigans, um, and you have to know how to do tape on Madhouse, which is like one of the hardest things to ever do. And seven is tape on Madhouse. Um, those things were different. I would think the the biggest deviation and why it took so long was knife only Madhouse is not Resident Evil Seven. I swear <laughs> that category is genuinely not re7 it's a very different run you're basically playing something else it almost feels like you're playing a souls game because you you're Mm -hmm. genuinely running around trying not to die and boss fights will take a very long time and you have to like you would think that doing it's like i could maybe like you know when i first started running i was like you know i'm not going to do what stretcher's doing who was the former record holder i don't need to do it until i eventually realized (laughs) i have to do it i have no choice like he had did a good job of bringing that time down and i had to put a lot of effort in to bring it even further down so um yeah that category was just that that one by far was the biggest difference but overall they're kind of similar um until you get to the knife only categories 
which knife only i can't imagine it's really intended for people to do it so it seemed like there's a lot of manipulation or i don't know if that's the right word but you have to really play the game play the system to make knife only works especially on that hardest difficulty yeah you have to really especially on on madhouse you really have to like be creative with how you're doing it um the game obviously isn't designed for you to just win with a knife. However, Capcom has made it a thing in most RE games where they will allow you to finish the game with no ammo because it, there's going to be situations where you simply do not have ammo. Um, so you would have to like get creative with like positioning your camera so that like Ethan starts swinging from one way to the other. You want two hit registrations, so you're going to try to cover as much of the body as you can. So like like it, it makes an insane amount of difference on a fight like say Jack Three, for example, where there's multiple eyeballs near each other. You have to position where one swing is hitting multiple eyes, or you're going to lose minutes just off that alone, because you want to spread as much damage as you can. So you have to get kind of creative with it, um, which is actually ultimately how I ended up fixing my time and getting that record recently. Is because I, I had to sit down at Jack Three and be like, I need to make this faster because it's I'm mm-hmm. currently minutes slower. So I had to get really creative with it. I love to see that little technical stuff that the average person might just be watching, and you know, you're ta ta, you're just swinging, but like knowing that oh, this is actually it's double climb the hitbox. It, little stuff like that I think makes runs really interesting, and the average person might not see that, which is always crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of stuff in seven that's like that. Actually, there's a lot of uh, like uh, one of my mods points it out a lot of the time where I'll, I'll like it, I'll randomly get upset about something. Like I'll be like, ah, oh, damn. And everyone, and he'll go and chat and be like, does anyone even know what happened? And <laughs> no one knows nope. what happened ever. Because there's like a lot of very small things, especially in a game like 7, where you have to really crank out as much time as you can. Like small little things like lining up perfectly with something or like mm-hmm. like doing like aiming before picking something up so you don't ever stop moving. So it's a lot of really small things like that that really add up. I can't remember who like I, I was asking this to, but I remember when Village first came out, it seemed like everybody was drawn towards uh, what's it called? Some of the shadows, uh, the hardest difficulty, of essentially shadows, yeah. Village of Shadows. I, I don't know why I want to say Lake of Shadows and that's definitely not it. But yeah, Village of Shadows. It seemed like everybody was drawn to that run as far as like a viewership perspective. But everybody was saying it's just like a worse version of the regular run or like easy mode run. Uh, yeah. is seven do you find it to be like that is is uh madhouse a better run or is it just over inflated no i think that like uh madhouse and easy are two very different pace runs and i think that like you'll find whatever you like whenever one you're drawn to you will probably like because you're drawn to it right and for me it's like doing madhouse like new game was probably one of the most fun experiences because it's a very different level of skill checking um, but the most, like, it, then go back to edgy plus easy. I know I have to be, I'm not going to sweat about boss fights being hard, but I have to be perfect in my movement. I have to be perfect in everything I do. I cannot make a single mistake. Um, that, that kind of like difference is, is makes for a different experience, right? I don't think any of them, it waters down the other. Um, I think in, in village's case as I, cause I was the one who basically routed new game casual, um, alongside like dist and orshan them who were routing uh new game voss voss has a problem of being very bullet spongy they really turned down yeah. the damage in voss and that's what made it really hard to route and why i never played it and why i stick to casual um for the most part and there's something they did there that that genuinely made it feel like worse casual that being said there's merit to thinking that voss is the only village run that has like some sort of depth to it and some sort of like some sort of texture to do because it does get a little watered down with casual because it's very easy 
you can run around and do a lot of stuff in casual for free because um, of the way we found to break the game's DA system. <laughs> so it's uh, definitely a change, a change of runs, that's for sure. Which, in general, uh, DA or difficulty adjustment seems annoying, <laughs> at least for a casual playthrough. In speedrunning, is it a hindrance, or do you guys just know perfectly how to manipulate it? Um, it varies on difficulty. Actually, uh, with um, 7, DA doesn't really play a pretty big part. Nothing. When we say that it doesn't play a part, what we mean is it's there, and it, it does play a part in the game system, but we have no real way of influencing it that's going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, however, in 7, we only recently actually found a way. Shoutouts to, I think it was Niddle who discovered this um, a year and a half ago or something when he started doing Knife Only, basically the way it works in seven on easy you have two ranks of da you have zero and you have one caps out at 1999 points um if like you start the marge one fight which is the one where you sit in the hole and on knife only you can't do anything you just kind of wait bugs in Um, the hole Mm -hmm. exactly yep you just hang out in the hole and on a da one it's a five minute fight like it is for every other da level a da zero it's two and a half minutes which is massive amounts of time saves so Niddle worked in. He's like, why don't we just die intentionally at the very start of the house? And, and we do. And that category got sped up by two minutes as a result. Um, and now we learned a lot of things about DA from Resident Evil 2 Remake, Resident Evil 7, that are now applied in every single RE game that we play. Um, like, we know that it makes a difference in, like, RE5. We know it makes a difference in RE4. Um, and now we have, the new age games, it always plays a part in the speedruns now. It's actually a pretty big deal. Shadows of Rose, which recently came out, which I helped route alongside Spicy Seven Ray D. Oh, you're Salad. already routing it, dang! It's already it's actually already completely routed. The game is the record is now within like seconds of each other uh, because we pushed it down and we figured it out. Um, the very first thing I did was I was like I reached out to our tool developer Salad. I'm like, find me the DA value of Hardcore, and we mm-hmm. found it. How do we influence it? We find out that it's it's optimal to die at a certain point to make the rest of the fight the rest of the run faster. And it, it's now a staple, and we're we're more than likely going to find the same thing in Resident Evil 4 remake. It's, it's <laughs> likely likely to play a pretty big part. Now, for perspective, because yeah, it sounds like you know you've been playing this for months. Uh, the recording of this might come out a little bit later. How long has the DLC co- been out for Village now? A week? Uh, it's came out at the um, end of October, so yeah, it's been like a week, two weeks, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> That's nuts. I mean, quick. I, I guess Village has been out for a while, though, so it's almost same, I guess. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at any it's of the actually... DLC myself because I'm going to play it one of these days. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I won't spoil anything, but they're very they're very different, actually, in, in the best ways. Uh, Shadows of Rose, I would consider to be a significantly better speedrun than Standard Village, as most people would probably agree. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that anyway. Like, I guess you typically expect people to go to the new hot game, mm-hmm. but... In Village's case, I was very much looking into it like when it first came out and people started, you know, the first couple months, but it seemed like everybody went back to seven and didn't really give Village a lot of attention. Did, did the run just suck? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, the blood, like to put it bluntly, <laughs> the run was the run was it had problems and we ran into a lot of conflict with it because um with with Resident Evil 7, uh, we had a lot of mechanics that we abused, uh, mainly FPS and retrying, things that let us like get around certain things. But in 7, it's very easy, fluid, and fast to make these changes. It takes like one second for me to go in, go to 30, and get out. Um, in Village, these same principles apply. 30 FPS is really good in certain places, and retries are incredibly strong. 
So they want, but the problem is the the village menu is actually significantly slower. The time it takes for me to do that in village oh. is about five times as long. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. I unplugged my headphones. Um, there we go. Uh, sorry. Uh, it takes uh, about five times as long to do that in village. That's already a kind of a big hindrance. Uh, where you're going in, you have to do this multiple times. So that was a detractor on the run. The run was really linear. Uh, the only skips that existed were out of bounds with the pipe bomb, which was split up into a different category into any percent. Um, which I don't think you really messed with glitched uh, runs, did you, for Village? Briefly. Offline, I took the NG plus uh, any percent record and any percent glitchless record uh, before, you know, people really started to hammer it down. But I didn't really put much time to it. My focus was glitchless casual. Um, glitchless casual new game. Uh, and... Yeah, the issue is that it ended up being really linear. The only, like I said, the only real category that had some depth to it was Village of Shadows, and most people are not going to run Village of Shadows. It's just the same reason most people are mm -hmm. not going to run Madhouse New Game is the average speedrunner does not want to suffer like that, right? Like, no one, you <laughs> yeah. don't want to walk in and get hit once and suddenly you're at 1 HP. Like, that's not fun for a lot of people. So, um, Village didn't really have any, any like big like selling points. Like, what's like, what's fun about it? Like, what's the great part about it? It didn't have that. It, it was Ethan was faster and lines felt better, but it was just, it was, it was down to the wire. It just felt like worse RE7, which is why people went back to mm, seven, went back to Resident Evil 2. Um, and uh, Shadows of Rose fixes a lot of those problems, but it's, it's, you know, it's still Village, so it's issues. Now, you said you didn't really like RE2R, right? Uh, I, Yes, okay, so I love RE2R as a casual game. I think RE2R right, right, the the I, run for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the speed run for RE2R, I have a lot of problems with, and I have I've had a lot of unfortunate Twitter instances where I've said this publicly. Oh, no. <laughs> there are people who who like like vehemently disagree, and I everyone's allowed to have their own opinion, and I don't think of anyone differently for whatever game you like. I'm not going to treat you or think of you any differently. But my problems with RE2 remake um, were that the game. The game has a movement issue and it has a combat issue that I don't really like. Um, whereas the combat is done basically with the knife because the knife is broken in that game. You can kill bosses just with the knife. That's the whole idea is routing around getting a knife. Where's the best place to get it? Where's the best place to use it? Um, and the movement. So I have, I have a philosophy with speedrun set. If I do movement perfectly, if I do this tech perfectly, I want to be faster than what the game is right. intending me to do. The problem with RE2 remakes is uh, your movement feels like you're not doing anything faster. You're doing what the game is now intending or should have intended for you to do, right? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Claire being in caution makes her faster. No one really knows why. Uh, and it's the same thing for Jill in Resident Evil 3 Remake. It's these, you have to be in caution to be fast and you have to aim to turn corners tight and you have to stair skate. These don't feel like things for me that are like skill-based execution tests. These feel like like nuances and chores that I have to do to go as fast as the game should have let me go in the first place. Mm. Um, so that's what those are my those are my biggest hangups. Is why I, I talk so much about how I don't like them. Down to the wire, they're fine speed games. There's nothing actually wrong with them. They're just not for me. Yeah, which I mean, I think is a crazy idea, but you know, your own <laughs> tastes. You're welcome to have yeah. your own opinion. It is wild. I know. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm curious if it's a different answer as well. Uh, what do you think is the best Resident Evil 7 category? And what would you recommend uh, Speedrunner Steve to look into if he was looking to play the game? I think, uh, for my own enjoyment, the one that I loved the most was New Game Madhouse. I think New Game Madhouse has an incredible high skill ceiling, and it's very satisfying to pull off. And it's very hard, and you feel really good when you do it really well. 
That being said, I think the best category is New Game Plus Easy. I think any any person who picks up seven should explore New Game Plus Easy or New Game Easy. I think those two are amazing. New Game Plus Easy is just easy to get into. The route's very simple. New Game Easy is a little bit more complex. You actually have different boss strats and things you have to like you have to practice and do um, a little bit more. Uh, and it's really fun. I think New Game Easy is also very fun. Um, but I think those two are easily the best if you're gonna get into the game. I would not. I would never in a million years, even New Game Plus, not recommend anyone start with Madhouse because there's a lot of upsetting, <laughs> upsetting things you're gonna run into. You're not gonna be able to finish runs very often because you'll just die a lot. Yeah, that seems not very fun. And things like cheap shots and like, eh, I'd pass on that for myself personally. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in general, it does seem like a a cool game to run. Especially, I I like the game casually a lot. But it's one of those things. Picking up a new game, I've done that already plenty and I'm like yeah yeah no eventually but definitely i've kind of found myself almost stepping back from being an active runner to more being just like speedrun adjacent in a weird way mm. but i think it's a it's a motivation thing i just got to find my drive personally yeah eventually everyone finds a game that just like mm-hmm. propels them into like falling in love with it again but now that you've conquered your metaphorical mountain and you've got all the records what's next for you you know, there's a lot right going on. Um, I have to hold the records. So, like, if someone is running it, and I know that my biggest competitor as of right now is currently running it, um, I, I will I will have to go back. Um, so keeping the records is one thing. As of far as content right now is Shadows of Rose. is my focus for a little bit uh, until, uh, you know, Callisto Protocol comes out, and that we'll see how that turns out as a speed run. Um, otherwise, the next big thing I'll be working on is definitely Resident Evil 4 Remake is going to be oh, my yeah. primary. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. That's going to be my next big project of 2023 is, is routing and working on that game and trying my best to be as good as I can at it um, and really, really grinding it down. But between now and then, it's going to be like Shadows of Rose and Callisto Protocol type speedruns. See how those turn out. Um, if Callisto Protocol ends up not being a very good run, then uh, I'll probably bounce around um at that point a record of seven will probably have been broken and i'll have to work on that again now this is like probably only like 50 percent likely going to happen but i'm coming for you for resident evil 4 remake i nice. i'm like oh i want to <laughs> i want to be in on that because i feel like i'm never there you know day one for runs or something comes out i'm like oh this just seems like it'd be a terrible run but that's oh, already you know tried and true i like the hd remakes i like the originals so I'm like I think that might be my one. I'm there for at the beginning, but we'll see how it plays for sure. Yeah. Speedrunning at the beginning of a game is actually an entirely different experience that a lot of people don't really know about when speedrunning is the rat race that happens. It Mm -hmm. is very, very cutthroat. It is very hard. (laughs) The most stress I've ever been under was when Village released and was was running that game on release is because I was competing against people I couldn't I don't I didn't even know about. I couldn't see. They weren't streaming. Spicy TV is one I like to bring up all the time. Spicy TV is a good friend, moderator of mine, actually very good friend and good competitor. He was, uh, he never streamed at the start of Village. Oh, only, only offline, offline, huh? He was an offline gamer at the start of Village, and I would, I would like route this category, and I brought the time down. I would look in Discord after waking up. The record's been broken. I have to see what he did. I have to wait for him to upload the <laughs> watch video. Watch the whole vod, yeah. Yeah, I have to watch it. And uh, he didn't stream, so I couldn't just go to his Twitch channel. I have to wait, and I would check it, and I do what he did, but better. And then the next day, same thing. Um, and it was crazy, like how fast things developed and how much stuff changed. And with new games, 
that come out. Like when Shadows of Rose even came out, we were on that instantly. And every single day there was new stuff. Every hour it felt like something new was found. Like you would find this tech that you would think would save a lot of time. An hour later, a new route was found that invalidates it entirely. So you have to relearn every single day on a release of a game. You have to relearn the game. And it's not even like a joke. Every day I woke up, I had to relearn Village. I had to relearn Shadows of Rose every day I woke up. And then I would do it and change the routing again, just for it to change again. Uh, and it's it's hard to stay competitive at the release of a game. RE4R is going to be a nightmare, but oh, it's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be definitely a lot of fun to route that and, and play with my friends and everything. But damn, is it is it rough to like try to be like a, a contender, a record at the release of a game like that? So I I definitely say that there's two lines of thought there. One that sounds terrible, but also I'm like that sounds cool as shit. Yeah. <laughs> like at the same it's time, super cool. I'm in. Yeah. It's definitely awesome to be one of the people that like gets to take an early record or something like that. Mm -hmm. That gets to set the standard of the runs because your name gets out there really fast. That's that's the reason people do it. Right? It's a reason why you'll see clickbait world first, blank blank blank. Yeah. Elden Ring was another one of those situations where we were pumping Elden Ring content. We had to fight against distortion. We had to fight against Catalyst. All these people who were running the game. Oh yeah, big souls. My, yeah, the huge souls runners. I mean, spicy like jumped into that game, and we're not souls runners at all. And we we were routing it, and we were doing our best. But every day we woke up, distortion found this, or like Catalyst did that, or you know, all these new things kept getting found, and it, it's it's hard. But it's it was super fun to be in the rat race. But it definitely gets to you after a while. Now, uh good friend of mine insert logic he was pretty much my my guide on everything elden ring and i think he did all remembrances but it seemed like that one is one of those rare cases where where a lot of things will develop and it's like oh this improvement this improvement i guess for him he found a lot of elden ring to kind of develop into be worse yeah that's actually a problem which is and crazy to me it's not even like a hot take to say that elden ring is the worst Souls speedrun um well it's the best souls game it's it's very yeah, weird yeah. Uh, because because of elder ring size it's just a so lot of, big yeah yeah it's huge so we had to get really creative on how we're going to beat that game the route went through so many different changes like we went from like you know hook claw route gathering a bunch of stones to make them strong and then we found out Horfrost ice rind was broken we found out rkr is broken and then we found out that like you could bug out a lot of bosses you could skip a lot of bosses it just evolved, like, even the categories where we didn't zip, that's an entirely different thing. Uh, where, like, where you basically just you nullified every boss down, it's as simple as you can, because you want to make it as fast as you can, which actually ended up watering out, like, watering down the Souls experience altogether, and now it just feels like you're just running point A to B, cheese this boss, A to B, cheese that boss. Yeah. So, definitely a sentiment I felt and agreed with when I was running the game is that, like, yeah, it lacked a lot of, like, you know, at the beginning it was amazing everything we were all doing new stuff but then when we realized what's broken we just kind of went with that and even right now to this day it, it's at its in my opinion lowest point in terms of you know how fun it is because you, you abuse a weapon swap glitch that instantly kills bosses essentially um and then that doesn't obviously include zipping which is zipping destroyed that game and made like made the speed run three minutes long so <laughs> i actually uh so what is zipping? is it like a teleport thing yeah, so essentially they found out that if you... I don't remember the exact frame data, but if you block... You have to hold consistent 60 FPS, but if you block on a certain frame and then inch forward, you have to use your keyboard for it, on another frame, you will teleport very, very far. So what they do is at the very beginning of the game is they run out of the, the church, they turn around and they teleport out into the map. 
Um, and essentially, the idea is you teleport all the way to the Elden Ring, uh, not the Elden, the Elden Beast Arena, uh, and you you do a, a rather the um, the Radagon Arena, like the area right before it. You do a what's called a, a mega zip, and you zip twice in one direction, which deloads the map, which oh. kills, which will kill a uh, Horror Lou, and because the map is reloaded. Elden Beast spawns and Radagon spawns and they just fall until they die. <laughs> and then and then the run ends at three minutes and like fifty seconds. Yeah, that uh Especially as things get like too short too short, it's like eh it's yeah. almost not as great a run to me. <laughs> but again, it, everything is subjective. People like what they yeah. like. Yeah, you can run whatever you want, you know. For sure. Uh, now, I do want to ask a couple questions. So, obviously you're an incredible runner, and you hold multiple records across a couple games even. Have you ever experienced a time of burnout? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've gone through burnouts, like, like five or six times. Uh, it was seven. It's like, especially when I start to grind New Game Plus easy, because uh, that, that's a category that takes, you know, 20-minute runs, and then it's decided on a coin flip section, and, you know, it's an hour and a half, an hour, 26 minutes, 44-second world record, and we only have 12 seconds of time save now. So I can't I can't make a single mistake, and the second I do, it's right back to the cutscenes, right back to guest house. So uh, there are times where I've sat down, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I'd stop for, like, a week, a month. I can't, I can't play the game anymore. I can't stream. Cause it's like, I will get, I'm like, it turns out, it turns from being just like content rage of like, haha, I'm mad. This game sucks to like, I genuinely don't even want to have the stream on anymore. Cause I'm just so pissed off. Oh dang. And yeah. I'm like, I'm wasting time. Yeah. So I try to avoid that and, and go around it, but yeah, that burnout is real. Especially if any speedrunner can really like relate when they get to those like games that they grind and it's really optimized and you can't make mistakes. It's hard to keep your cool. So it, it yeah. Burnout is definitely a real, real issue. Do you have anything that helps kind of avoid burnout for you now? I think having the the recent schedule I've put in place and the recent like you know balance I've chosen to take, uh, where I'm not streaming like you know five days, six days a week, just trying to grind a record. Uh, having set days where I'm going to do it and set days where I am not going to do it helps a lot because the days where you're not doing it, the stress is gone. You're not thinking about it, and then like the day before, where right as you start to do it again, you go back into that mode, you get back into it, and then you're only there for four days. And you commit all four of those days. For me, it's it's I commit four days, and then like I reset again after that. Cool down for three days. It helps me really balance. I think having a set balance and a set schedule helps helps tremendously more than people would actually anticipate. I I keep trying to at certain points set schedules for myself like that, and I found that I feel disappointed when I can't live to that schedule, and that's hurt me more than it has helped me try to do anything with the schedule. So I always give a lot of respect to people that are able to stick to it, because I feel like it, in the long run, it's healthier, but in the very short term, I'm like, oh, this is miserable. That was a terrible yeah, it, idea. It's definitely hard. I've only recently started doing it. I've struggled to sticking to it, but I just recently put it in place, and so far, it's helped a lot. So, I, yeah, I definitely feel that sentiment. Well, it seems like you definitely, I guess... From an outside looking in, I'm not trying to gas you up too much, but it seems like you have your shit together, which is admirable for sure. And especially over the past year, it seems like you've taken a lot of focus on your health and stuff like that and been public with it as well, which I, again, I find highly inspiring and just wanted to say that's, you know, congrats. That's great on you, especially, you know, working out, getting in, looking a little cute over here. Uh, <laughs> how have you felt it change your life at all since you started really focusing on working out and stuff like that? 
Yeah, there is like, you know, there's a lot of layers to it, right? I, it, it started in May of 22, um, when I re- when I really uh, not May 20 May of 21, uh, where I, I actually started the health and fitness change. Um, you know, there are certain circumstances, certain people in my life that kind of sparked that change, and uh, it it's definitely changed a lot about me, uh, about how I compose myself, how I how I speak, how I you know act on camera. Everything's changed um in that regard so it's made a positive impact it has its drawbacks but nothing at all in comparison to i have to imagine positives. a lot more confidence as well yeah like a lot of things have changed like in that in that respect too like more confidence and you know i feel like you, you feel like you get more respect from your peers it's all a mental game but it's it's definitely changed and you know i'm able to like put more focus onto like you know the way i present myself on stream and you know, back in the day when I would stream, I would just turn on the camera. Didn't care about the angle. Didn't care about how mm-hmm. I like how how like everything looked and everything like that. Until so, like you know, I had I had a run in with my body dysmorphia that I had to address, and it all came to light one day with that like this is a problem, and like I'm ignoring it, and it's causing significant damage. And uh, you know, I have I have uh, I have a condition. I have diabetes, and I've had it my whole life. And like ignoring your health will eventually like it's going to it will kill me eventually, right? So Yikes. I was like I had to really address it and. Um, and very, I'm very shocked still with myself to this day, and it almost feels like it's not real that I've made the change that I made because you know I was 255 pounds a year and a half ago, and you know I'm 165 now. So things definitely that's a whole changed. person, dang. It's a whole person, yeah. And I still, I still think about it. People tell me all the time, like you don't even look like at all. I don't have glasses anymore. Right? Like I, I upkeep my hair, upkeep my face, everything looks different. And I'm like, I still can't really believe it, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm here now <laughs> with it. That I, I mean, that's huge. I've uh, only one time in my life was I like very serious about working out and stuff like that. And still, I, I mean, I'm not letting myself go, but I wish I was a little bit better. Uh, it's hard to maintain, especially if any life circumstance changes or anything like that. Like, and once you fall off, it's hard to develop that good habit again. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely hard. And like uh, the social structure around like what you do plays a big part in it that like, people don't really realize is like, if I have a bad day streaming or bad day speedrunning, the mental, the mental like fortitude to like not weigh on yourself and like, like, oh man, like I did shitty today. Like I'm not very good at this anymore. It's like, why am I even still working out? Why am I still trying to do this? That, you know, it kind of adds up fast, mm-hmm. right? Like, and uh, being able to like push through that, my basically my mantra, the whole, the only reason I still do it and was able to keep doing it is like, I think about the way I used, uh, I look at the way I used to look and I'm like, like, I'm like, it's not really about the way I used to look. It's like, how did I feel back then? It's like, what oh, would, okay. if I still looked like that, what would my thoughts be right now? And it'd be, it would be fucking awful. It would be atrocious. It would be disgusting. So it's like, don't let it go back to that point. At this point, I mean, having the lifestyle changes is uh, your diabetes and stuff. Is that manageable or is that something that yeah, like, you still take a lot of effort? Yeah, to... so it kind of varies, right? There's like, you know, with diabetes, it's, uh, I've had type one forever, which type one uh, you get usually when you're a child or there's nothing you can do about it, right? It's not like right. you had an unhealthy life. Too many Hershey's, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those situations that you just kind of got it. Cause you got, for me, and I think it's a funny joke, I just tell people I got bad RNG. Because no, <laughs> no one in my in my family has it. I was the first one. Wait, to get really? It. Yeah, I'm the oh, first what? one. Oh, what? Yeah, and it, it's it's it sucks, but it's it's like kind of funny at the same time. Um, but you know, growing up, I was never overweight uh, until I got it, and then I like I realized that like, you know, I would eat and take insulin. It was like this thing where Ooh. like you know, the more you eat, the more insulin you have to take. And over the years, it's actually incredibly shocking to me now. I would take a lot of insulin a day to eat, and I would I would not even care about what I was eating because I had insulin. My brain just thought that like one covered the other. It doesn't matter. Um, and then I realized as an adult, I was taking a lot every day. 
like a significant. Is that all like, injection based or? It's all injection based oh, needles. So we're talking I'm such like, a baby for that. Yeah, I can't yeah, do we're it. We're talking six to seven injections minimum a day, and like that's a lot. You're not supposed to be doing that much, um, especially if you're taking care of yourself. So, I mean, I look at it now, percentage wise, I'm taking like eighty percent less insulin a day than I used to. Oh wow, it, that is huge. It, it's a massive difference. I mean, financially too, it's also a big <laughs> difference. Uh, and it, yeah, it's definitely, it gets a lot easier to manage and a lot of things get better with it when you, when you get healthy. So it's definitely, it's something I'm going to have forever. I can't get rid of it, but, um, it, it definitely made a pretty big difference to get healthy. Well, I definitely like that you're very public about it. Cause like I said, I think it's very inspirational. So good stuff. Yeah. Thanks. Now, as you've been growing in size and stuff like that, do you, Ever, I guess, find like a, a conflict between being a runner versus being a streamer? Oh my god, all the time. There's actually like a dilemma that I talk about constantly with other runners and other streamers is um the pigeonhole that happens as a speedrunner. Is um I recently did become eligible for partnership and everything, and I'm working mm. on getting that getting that completed. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, but the problem that arises from being a speedrunner is you have your game, right? Obviously, it happens yeah. to a lot of streamers, they have their game. Um, like you will notice, and you can watch any popular RE speedrunner, any popular RE horror streamer who speedruns, look at the game that they played the most, right? Look at me with seven. When I stream seven, my viewership is, is significantly higher than what it is oh, if yeah, I stream yeah. anything else. Um, so I'm kind of pigeonholed into running seven until I hit whatever goal I want, that being partner, right? Um, a lot of people will run a certain game until their partner, and then you either have to say, like, how do I want to commit to this? Like, if you if you're not if you don't feel like you're cut out to do the content creation, and like you don't really have the effort, or you don't really want to, and like I certainly don't know if I can or can't yet. Um, it's hard because you have to like, just keep running the same game over and over, try to pump content out for it if you can. But eventually, you know, you're gonna get burnt out. Everyone eventually mm -hmm. gets burnt out. It's it's what you do with that audience that you get, um, and how do you keep them off the game? Like you have to build a core audience and figure out a way to morph them into not just for that game. Um, which I think I've made progress on recently, but I, I still have that issue where seven is my game. I'm the yeah. seven guy. I'm the guy who runs seven. And you'll see that with other runners too. Like the second they turn on a game that they, that they're known for running or that made them, you know, made their channel a bit more better, or I guess more popular, uh, they'll notice a massive spike in viewership. Yeah. It, it's huge too. I, I've noticed this for a long time. I've tried not to put myself in that pigeonhole as well, but also, it's harder to grow if you don't at least exactly. dig into it a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not easy. And so anytime you see even a little bit of success from it, like that's good. And I feel like I think of you and Catlink and Marforia, especially actually as people that are kind pretty successful at this. Yeah, I definitely took a lot of inspiration from them. I, I talk to them all the time about like, you know, growth and stuff. When I really started to see my channel grow, Marforia has been a really great, like she's a great person and I love her to death. She's given me a lot of advice on like how to like how to avoid certain things, what I should do, like what issues she ran mm -hmm. into and stuff like that. And when I speak to Kat about certain things as well, like she's been through the rigmarole of like she like a lot of people don't know that Kat's original growth came from Dead by Daylight mm -hmm. and like she turned it to seven. She really exploded with seven and like she was able to turn her platform into something um adjacent from seven. She doesn't need seven to like be, you know, what she was. Like she just runs horror games now and she's pretty great content uh, that she does alongside whatever game she's running. So the people are no longer there to watch the game. They're there to see cat, right? That's the bridge that a lot of people want to want to want to cross. It's like, yeah. you want to get over the, they're not here to see the game. They're here to see you. 
which is hard, but it's it definitely it's something that can happen for everyone. And every speedrunner goes through the same dilemma: is how do I get them to stop coming for RE seven? How do I get them to stop coming for me? Yeah, I I see this more in like I guess speedrunners, especially melee players. I see that a lot too. And like, oh man, it yeah. There's no good answer. I'm just like, well, yeah. I hope the best for everyone that you, you just is gotta, trying you gotta put for the sure. In, yeah. You basically just have to make a cognizant effort to like try to like bridge bridge the gap. So most days, where do you find yourself right now? Is it do you just want to be the best runner possible? Do you want to be the best streamer possible? What where's your mindset? I've kind of bounced back and forth. Like my goal with Twitch, I, I never intend to make a living off Twitch. Twitch money monetarily. Oh, it's so was, unsustainable for yeah, sure. It's like, it was never the goal. Like a lot of people when they stream, they want to be a full time streamer. They'll jump the gun. They'll like do whatever they can to be a full time streamer. That's not really my goal. My goal was to like was to have a platform of something that I'm good at, right? I wanted to be able to show what I'm good at on my own terms, right? I don't want to like do it through someone else or anything like that, um, and not stream or make videos or something along those lines. For me, it was like the goal was become a partner so I can like harbor some sort of small community, right? If I hit partnership, that was my ultimate Twitch goal, or even come close to being able to. I mean, shit, like to, to be able to even apply was like way beyond what I thought I'd ever be able to do um and being best at seven was the the number one priority over all of that it was like i want to be the best at whatever i'm doing and i want i want someone to think that when you think about re7 speedrunning i want no one else except for me to come to your mind right that's what i wanted and i feel like i've gotten to that point now i feel like if you think if you're someone who looks up re7 speedrunning my name is the name that you see and therefore you you're directed in my content window right you come towards me and whatever i'm doing which is it's almost impossible not to now i mean <laughs> i'm trying to think of what's uh that dumb point i was just thinking like there are definitely many games like that where there's one person who reigns alone at the top and you're like oh they just they own this game that's their game yeah there, there's games that like even if they're not necessarily the best they've made such a name for themselves even being one of the best like, when I think of SM64, I immediately think of Simply. I think of Cheese. I think mm -hmm. of the people who push 120 star to, like, crazy, crazy times, right? And, like, there's even people um, in, like, other games that, like, uh, just think off the top of my head, like, like Super Mario Brothers. You think of Cosmic, right? I, you think of Mitch Flower Power. These are the people that, like, I don't think of them as, like, content creators. I think of them as, like, the, the, the upper echelon of the speedrunners of their games. So, with the, you know people also at the top and just in general just want to pop off some just facts about you thing do you have any inspirations in content creation or running in general uh for speed running and, and content creation it's two def two different uh like inspirations i pull from for content creation i definitely pull a lot of inspiration from from my friends from the people that that do it around me cat like marforia uh these are the people that i'm very close to that i pull a lot of uh, inspiration from uh, to like try to be better, try to be more entertaining. Like I've taken a lot of advice from them over the years, even small stuff like stop looking at your phone when you're on stream because you, you should be talking to your chat. You should be even if you have a small chat, even if you have five people, you should be trying to engage, right? Just get into the habit of it. And that, that was something that stuck with me that I now hold true, and it's like burned into my brain. I never look at my phone while I'm streaming. Uh, hmm. For speed running, uh, I, I didn't have any like inspiration from a person like like as someone i looked up to like i want to be like this guy or i want to be as good as this guy it was it was i wanted to just be better right it was just i like i had immediate feedback that's what i love about speedrunning you have an immediate feedback of how good you are 
Yeah. Right? This is your time. This is your spot on the leaderboard. That's probably how good you are. Right? And I saw that, and I would climb, and I'd be like, I want to be better. I, I, when I got top 10, I'm like, that's not enough. When I got top 5, that wasn't enough. Three, third, second, wasn't enough. Until I eventually was the best. And that, by inspiration, it's cheesy and corny, but it was basically myself, <laughs> right? It was basically me. It was like, I needed myself to be better. Obviously, I'm going to give credit to, like, the people who were so good at the game that drove me to this point. Like, when Ross was actively running the game, we have our differences these days, but he was originally a driving factor in how good I got at the game and how I was able to grow. I give Spicy TV a lot of credit. He's the exact same position for me, except with Village and stuff like that. So um, the people who are better than me, it just naturally are people I would also look up to just to just to get better than them. So I really like your answer, by the way, because I feel like a lot and this is definitely healthier on mental thinking. Oh, yeah, it's not really a contest. I just I see improvement myself and that's great, which is, I think, still rooted in what you mean. But also seeing, oh, immediate like I see that I'm seventh best. Well, I want to be first best. And I think that drive is so cool. And you see it, especially at the top, because you have to you have to have that a little bit and. But yeah, I think that's lost a little bit because people won't be nicer and it's it's healthier and screw that it's, man. The competition's yeah. great. I love it. There's still that corner of us that like that have the the core competitive side. We want to be the best. Right? It, it's how you really use that that can really determine the type of person that you are or how you come yeah. across in the speedrunning community. If you're too egotistical, you're too arrogant, and like you care about being better for reasons that don't really matter like you just you want the i want the one next to my name i want to be better than this guy i hate these people you know those types of people don't really last very long because you'll run into someone who's better than you and you can't handle it right you can't deal with the pressure oh of yeah it you'll shatter that ego yeah naturally people won't be on your side if you have this crazy ego it's, I, I recently took a stance about egos on twitter and i've talked about it before on my stream it's like i don't i don't like speedrunner ego I, I like with speedrunners are like i talk about speedrunning specifically if you're proud in what you do and you love what you do great like be proud like i'm proud that i have all the re7 records and i'll forever be proud about it i, I i'm not gonna be like i'm so good that you all suck or like you'll never be as good as me i'll never say something like that because the second it comes to fruition and someone is better than me what, what the hell like am i i look like an idiot right like why yeah. would i ever want to like do something like that so um yeah i i do appreciate those of us who are competitive who try to be the best who keep it respectful and like understand that like like you're not only competing against someone else you're competing against yourself and you need to humble yourself while you do it now with the exception of diablo 2 have you dabbled outside of like the horror genre of speedrunning um or thought about it anyway other than Diablo 2, I'm trying to think if there's any other game I ran. Uh, I t yes, I did. I did learn or start to learn SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom <laughs> rehydrated one day. I started learning it. Uh, I got like an hour. So I love me some 3D platformers. That yeah, those games are too hard. I like mm -hmm. I the moment I got to like this one level uh, where you had to like do a double jump as Patrick and then do some like special butt slam to land very much on like a pixel of a ledge to skip a whole level. It took so long. I'm talking days for me to get it once. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this, actually. I don't think I'm cut out for it. I'll stick to my uh, my horror games, and I'll, I'll stay in my market. But yeah, that was like the first time I branched off of, like, like I, unless you count Doom Eternal as horror. Like, it was really the first mm. time I really branched out. Doom Eternal seemed cool. I don't know if I'd count it as horror necessarily. More just on the shooter aspect, which, I don't know. Do you count? Like, RE7 I is a shooter, but it's not a shooter. Like yeah, it's a hard. first person it's an FPS shooter. Game. Yeah. 
but it's not like a traditional FPS game. Mm-hmm. I would I would not qualify Doom Eternal as horror personally. I'd say it's more of like an action movement based yeah, game, especially for sure. the speed run. I think Doom Eternal was like by far one of my most favorite speedruns I've ever done, and it's not even an RE game. It's it was it's incredibly fun. I love that one a lot. Now on the opposite end of it, do you have a game that you love to watch the run for, or just that you enjoy watching the run for, but you don't have the intention of ever picking it up? Oh yeah, a Resident Evil Four. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really? That's the easiest answer. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil Four is is notorious as being the hardest Resident Evil speedrun. And it is. It, the game has so much tech in it and it's incre- incredibly hard. A lot of RNG. It's all the things I, I like a lot I love tech, I love movement, I love all that stuff. I do not love RNG. I'm very yeah. public and vocal about it. I don't like RNG. Not fun. Yeah, RE4 has a lot of that, and I love watching it because it's exciting. I love watching Sokken. I love watching Yushin. These guys are great at the game, and I couldn't do it. There's no way. They have 10,000, <laughs> 15,000 attempts between them, oh, and I just... God. Yeah, it's brutal. But that game I love watching, but I don't think I could ever run that game. So much respect for, you know, high attempt counts and stuff like that. Like, this is yeah. why, you know, people are better than me. <laughs> they, yeah, They exactly. clearly, they want it more. <laughs> now, outside of that... uh Outside of uh, Resident Evil running in general, like I see Marforia a lot because my roots are in Crash Bandicoot speedrunning. That's how I first got started. Do you find yourself ever around anywhere else? Like, oh, hey, that's Zeke in uh, the Spyro runs or anything like that. Um, I, I noticed that I have some crossover because of like mostly my relationship with Marforia actually does have a lot of crossover with like people I run into even at GDQ. Um, there were people who knew about me, who knew what I did and what I was, and I didn't know at all who they were. And they're like, yeah, I'm a spy runner. I know Marforia, and I know you as a result. I'm like, that's crazy to think that like <laughs> right? a Spyro runner would know anything about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people I've met who aren't even like horror speedrunners I'm now very good friends with, like like the, uh, Bobby the Blacktastic. Excellent runner, very nice guy. He's not a horror runner. He plays some RE retro games and speedruns, but I don't think he's even considered himself a horror runner by any means. And uh, he knew who I was, and I was like, oh, wow. this is crazy that you yeah. know who I am, and I've t- never <laughs> in my life would have imagined <laughs> that you would ever know that, because uh, you run entirely different things. But yeah, there's definitely some crossover, I noticed, just from mutuals and networking. Which, hey, that's pretty cool, too. Uh, maybe even better. Yeah. Now, I realize I didn't even ask the cookie-cutter cliche question. Do you remember how you got into streaming and speedrunning? Uh, I got into streaming with Melee. Was when I actually first started really streaming. You started streaming as yeah. a melee player. Yeah, my first stream ever was streaming melee locals uh, at my hometown uh, with my friends. Uh, those vods are long gone, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we stream on my awful little laptop, and we would try. I had this awful uh, the Dazzle connectors, those things. Oh garbage. yeah, those yeah, those terrible. guys. Yeah, the Dazzle converters, and we would stream our melee locals of four people, and it was a lot of fun. And then I didn't really get into speed running until. Uh, uh, I watched Carcinogens run in 2018 or 2017, I believe, of RE7 Madhouse um, on AGDQ, which is by far, I still believe, to be one of the best performances of, a, of any GDQ run ever. Oh, wow. Carcy's run of that. Yeah, it, I might have it, to it, check that out. Absolutely should. I, I think, they're, okay, I, I, I love Carcy to death. I got to hang out with him a lot at GDQ, and we're good friends now. I would say that he did awful in that run, mechanically <laughs> speaking. Not owned so much, but obviously mm-hmm. we knew a lot less back then. Um, but yeah, he got owned really bad, but it, his commentary was perfect. The way he like talked about the run, his energy, everything was so amazing. So when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I would watch GDQ all the time, but I would never really consider myself ever wanting to speed run. But seeing him run seven made me think like, okay, like let's look into it. Cause I had just beaten it casually. I, I like joined the discord. I, I look at it like new game plus easy. looks like the run for me. And like, 
I just kind of jumped into it, started learning, never done it before in my life. And I really just took off from there. I kind of fell in love instantly, but just speed running. I don't know what it was. It, it kind of felt like practicing melee, except when I would practice melee, I would have no instant feedback of me being better until right. I go to a tournament. In <clears throat> speed running, I got the immediate feedback that like you were this much faster. So keep it up. Dude, I'm finding that so true now. Like, uh, and maybe average person doesn't think this way too, but a run can be terrible, especially on a marathon. And in a way this has helped me when I do like an online one or something, but the run can be terrible and nobody remembers that, but the presentation of it, I find to be so important. And some of my favorite runs, I couldn't tell you how the run really was. Didn't really care, but did I enjoy watching it? Yeah. Was like the energy there? Yes. And there's, there's some truly good moments that I think that, I, I wish that more people kind of led towards that because I think it's a yeah. better viewing experience. You got to want to make people want to watch the game. Yeah, exactly. And that's like a strategy <clears throat> thing that we talk about all the time within like my speedrunning circle of like friends. It's just like when we always, cause like I said, with me, cat and Niddle, we do events with each other a lot. And a lot of the time we're, we're stressing ourselves out. Like I want to make sure I do all the best things and I show off the best run. And we always have to tell each other every time, like, Hey, no one gives a shit. If you like, if it, average joe who loves watching speedruns doesn't know that you messed up the march strat <laughs> they're like holy crap i've been dead 10 times here this person's already almost like, yeah. at the end of the game that's what they see right this took me three and, hours to beat you did it in exactly. 10 minutes yeah that's like that's like the, that's mm -hmm. the whole thing and it's it's true that's how it works so it's like focus more about talking about it making jokes about it um and being able to recover from it and that's really all you have to care about don't worry about like being perfect and just focus on Having good commentary and being underestimated. That's really the only things you should ever really care about. Well, this is getting about close to wrap it up. I do have the segment that I did borrow from PMC Trilogy. I really liked it. Uh, where he would ask for a question for his current guest to give to the next guest. So your question, and I'm going to need one from you if that's okay. Your question is, if you could do setups and do runs from anywhere in the world, where would it be? And also shout out to Axie, because this interview was like five months ago, so I definitely had to re-listen to the end of the episode to find out what his question was. So doing runs from like any like place in the world? Yeah, yeah. Uh... <sighs> hard to say i don't have like an idea of like a specific named place but it would be anywhere where there's just it's just for like, example there no, an example was like oh yeah you know you just get a cabin up on the mountain or something like that yeah something like that i was like just give me a box with four walls and no windows right <laughs> no like, windows a jail cell me in there like yeah you give me give me a game that like you they tell me like you need to have this time in a month i'm like cool don't come into the room and just shut the door oh <laughs> just shit give me the, like a hyperbolic time chamber content really idea all right <laughs> captain ezekiel i get world record in 12 days or i'm in prison for three years with no electricity no shower <laughs> yeah that that would mm -hmm, that'd be mm -hmm. great and you do it in the cell bingo it'd be mr beast level <laughs> but yeah uh do you have a a question for our next guest yeah i would say my question would be like if out of a game you never ran what what game would you want to be a top runner in? Ooh, that is a good one. Do you have an answer yourself, something you could think of? I would immediately pick Super Mario 64. Oh, yeah, easy, <laughs> easy one. That's the easy choice. That's like, yeah, it'd be like, just be simply for a day. Easy, mm -hmm. easy, easy. All done. <laughs> oh, I feel like I might have to take that one off the table because it's too... that. I, 
I'm a hater on Mario 64 just because I'm like, <laughs> why is it so big? Like, I get it. It's kind, it's kind of fun to learn and pick up. But it's also like, it's just so tremendously bigger than any other speedrun. And yeah. it shows in everything else. So I'm like, ah. It has this perfect formula that a lot of people don't see is that um, it's Mario, the biggest IP in the yeah. world. And um, it's the best version of it. SM64 was considered to be the best version of the game for speedrunning because you have, it was the first game you had full control over Mario, right? Mm -hmm. like you can go up, down, left, right, anywhere on the axis. And uh, it has tech, it has really cool, fancy tech like LBLJs and uh, Lakitu Skip, all these things that people love to see. So it's really fast and yeah, people love it as a result. And before we start doing closing up, uh, do you have anything that you wish I would have asked you? No, I think I think you did a good job. You covered well, covered thank you. more than I thought I would ever have to answer. So I mean, you did good. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, you did it. Oh, take every little bit of compliment and just eat it up. Uh, do you have any shout outs you'd like to make? Uh, yeah, I mean, I shout out you know uh, the people I've talked about. Niddle, Marforia, Catlink, these people who like basically been in my corner for the last two years who gas me up when I don't deserve it a lot of the time and like make me like like they've given me the platform. You know, Cat has and Mar have given me platforms to like, you know, they shout me out, they like let me grow, they help they've helped me grow. Um and Niddle has just been like a very supportive person. You know, my mods, you know, Nico Spicy, all these people who have like really just been there to support what I've been doing all these years. So uh, mostly those guys for sure and obviously the re7 community uh for being the the community that i got brought up in and for like sure. the people that are that are still around me every day so i would say those guys and lastly where can the people find you uh i can be found on twitch at twitch.tv slash captain underscore ezekiel twitter is at captain ezekiel and tiktok is also at captain ezekiel tiktok ayo yeah well, yeah, again, this has been a big pleasure for me. So I appreciate, again, your time and thank you so much. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you for having me.